0: The world needs to limit the the rise in in average average global
1: temperature
2: temperature. to 1.5 degrees Celsius.
0: We are a few short months away from the world's biggest climate summit since Paris. I'm talking about COP26 in Glasgow, Scotland, where countries are hopefully going to be agreeing on the mechanisms for achieving the Paris Agreement goals and explaining the actions they'll be taking to help limit global warming to 1.5 degrees celsius. So we thought we would delve deeper and find out what's being done when it comes to some of the key issues. The transformation of the energy system, the role of nature and the investment needed. Today on the energy podcast, the world and 1.5 degrees celsius. What will it take to work with nature to reduce emissions?
1: Hello, I'm Julia Streets, City Businesswoman, advisor and broadcaster, and your host for this special series, putting the big questions to people in the know when it comes to tackling climate change. And today, we're talking about nature, offsets, carbon credits, and their role in limiting the global average temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. At the One Planet Summit in Paris earlier this year, a coalition of 50 countries, including the UK, pledged to protect a third of the world's nature by 2030. But that announcement was met with some skepticism by campaigners. And if I could use a nature-based metaphor, I think it's fair to say that of all the episodes in this special series ahead of COP26, the issue of nature is perhaps the thorniest. But simply, there is huge debate as to whether focusing on planting forests or restoring wetlands will lead to an overall reduction of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And we're going to be getting into carbon credits very shortly. And today I'm delighted to be joined by two experts. Rod Taylor is the Global Director of the Forest Programme at the World Resources Institute, the global research organisation that works to develop practical solutions to protect nature. And Flora G. Quinn is the Vice President for Nature-Based Solutions at Shell. That's the team working on projects to protect and restore ecosystems, which absorb carbon dioxide or prevent carbon from being released. So welcome both. And look, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. We're gonna get straight into the question of carbon offsetting with nature. Now buying carbon credits from projects that are planting trees, reducing deforestation or protecting ecosystems sounds very straightforward. But really, is it truly reducing carbon? Some would argue it's an excuse for polluting organizations to carry on with business as usual. Flora, can I come to you first
2: on that? I think the straight answer is no. And why I say that, if I take a step back, as you introduced, nature-based solutions is about making investment in the natural ecosystems to create carbon sinks. And to also generate societal and social and environmental co-benefits, and then bring these carbon credits to responsible usage in line with the mitigation hierarchy of avoiding carbon emission, reducing carbon emission, then offsetting the hard to abate carbon emissions. So in a company like Shell, we set our net zero emissions target by 2050 in step with society, And we really look into the avoidance first and then the reduction. And then we're going to use the high quality carbon credits to, you know, bundle or unbundle with the energy products we sell to help our customers to mitigate their carbon footprint. So from that perspective, I feel it's really about the holistic view in this. Carbon offsetting is never the whole solution. It is not a replacement of what a company should, should, you know, anyway do. It's in addition to the activities, the decarbonisation efforts they need to put in place. As an interim solution before technology or solutions can be scalable, can be affordable, carbon offset will play its role.
1: Rod, keen to hear your thoughts on this.
3: Yeah, it's a difficult question because if purchase of carbon credits is used as an excuse, Then it's probably not helping the climate. But as Flora says, you can come in a different way. If if it's the action you take after you've done all you can in your own supply chain, then purchasing credits from nature more or less outside your value chain can be like a bonus and increase the overall ambition of climate efforts. So we we say that offsets can be a good thing in in two two cases. First, they have to uh, add ambition rather than dilute it which means it should be something you do on top of your best effort in your own value chain. And second, it depends on the the nature of the credit. If they're high quality credits, that will ensure that they have the right social and environmental benefits and they're not associated with something like a land grab or uh, something that isn't really desirable in nature anyway.
1: And often people are talking about the trading of credits as well. And thinking about trading credits internationally, it's also known as the voluntary carbon market. Now, some people see this as playing an important part, working alongside nature to mitigate emissions. And I'm really keen to understand why. Flora, can I hear your thoughts first?
2: I really feel to tackle climate change is also about materiality and scale. Without that, it's difficult to really move the needles. So. When I look at the investment into nature, natural ecosystem protection, conservation, creation or restoration in the past, majority of this fund comes from public financing sector. So private business will also need to play a role. If I quote a report, the State of Finance of Nature report published this year pointed out that the investments of around 8.1 8.1 trillion US dollar by 2050 is very necessary to tackle the interlinked issue of climate biodiversity and land degradation. So for this type of scale, it requires different players in the human society to play their own role. And this links to the voluntary carbon market, because that market by trading carbon credits, and by the way, I mean the high quality carbon credits really meet the quality integrity bar, they can help to ensure that finance can flow. And for me, all of the corporates eventually will need to embed nature into their investment philosophy because nature is like a no regret investment there are so many co-benefits you can realize by these activities it is about carbon but it is beyond carbon it is also about biodiversity about community about air quality water management and so on and so forth
1: well rod let me bring you in here because clearly the nature-based solutions is is, is your point of view as well what are your thoughts
3: yes well i don't think we need a market for a market's sake. The, the main reason we need it is that the investment in nature is way less than what it should be. And a market prevent, presents a prospect of actually getting near the scale of investment we we need in nature. And as Fora was saying, it's not just nature for carbon. Nature is a sector that has all these co-benefits in terms of uh, preventing the extinction crisis, um, ensuring Indigenous and local communities um, their rights are respected and and they can maintain their cultures, for example. So I I think it's this kind of sector that has all these uh, bonus points if you invest in it. And what we need is is a market that will um, ensure those investments aren't diluting ambition, but adding to them.
1: And I'm getting a very clear sense that it's about, you know, the alignment of the contribution, it's the ambition, it's the scale. And let's just talk about scale for a second, because you know, the gigatons of CO2 that need to be removed from the atmosphere is just mind blowing. And there are even carbon credit projects available to achieve it as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts around the carbon credits as well. Rod, let me hear your thoughts on this as well, because this is an enormous challenge
3: to get to the kind of scale we need so that the full potential of the climate natural natural climate solution is realized, we're not going to get there by thousands of random projects. So we we need to get governments involved, creating the incentives and working at the scale of states, municipalities and so on to get that kind of coherent approach that will only be possible with government involvement. So we're big fans of something called the jurisdictional approach to crediting. It's actually a whole countries or subunits of countries that are receiving the credits and it's their job to create the incentives in their jurisdictions for the kinds of behaviours that will be good for nature. Projects will still be important, but they need to be nested in those jurisdictions rather than being standalone projects. Another reason why it's important to have uh, that landscape approach is you could have a project, for example, that's restoring trees in one corner of the landscape. Well, in another corner of that same landscape, you've got massive deforestation going on and that's not solving the problem. You know, they're canceling each other out.
1: And as I think about, you know, the world on 1.5 and when it comes to you know, this, this balanced conversation about working with nature as well, it's been really fascinating hearing all, all your thoughts on this. I, I wonder, you know, if there were one thing that would make the biggest difference, what might that be? And, and Rod, let me come to you first.
3: We need to stop the uh, loss and degradation before we start focusing on recovering what's been lost.
1: And and Flora, if you had one recommendation that would make a huge difference, what would yours be?
2: It's a tough choice, but I would just opt for quality and integrity. You have to make sure the one carbon credit you use for your responsible usage really presents one ton carbon dioxide to either reduce or remove from the atmosphere in a socially environmentally responsible way as well. And my slight concern is if you literally destroy that trust base, then the market will under a different path, which can literally somehow undermine the nature-based solutions contribution to climate change. So that is something I really feel a lot of the institutions already doing a lot of work to advocate, to push for a higher standard.
1: Rod Taylor and Flora G Quinn, thank you so much for joining me today. And if you want to listen to the rest of the series where I'll be putting the big questions to industry leaders in sustainable finance and energy transition, then search for The Energy Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Julia Streets. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye.
0: You've been listening to The Energy Podcast brought to you by Shell. You can find the Energy Podcast on all major providers, follow or subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. The Energy Podcast was produced by Fresh Air Production and I must remind you that the views you've heard today are those of the people featured, not Shell or its affiliates. Thank you for listening and goodbye.